0: A desert planet with twin suns. Why do I sense we've picked up another pathetic life form? Use my knowledge. Much to learn. You still have. Welcome back to Twin Sun Talks, folks. I'm your host, Jonah Liu. Thank you so much for listening. And I'm very excited to have y'all tuning into this episode because this is one that I've been working on for a long time. And it's actually part one of two because I have so much to cover that I felt it only appropriate to split it up over a couple weeks. And we're going to be breaking down the psychology of Anakin's turn to the dark side and sort of doing a simultaneous case study of Anakin as a character because Anakin is simultaneously a very complicated but also a very simple person. And I just felt very compelled to share my interest in his psychology as a character. So without further ado, let's dive into ARC Trooper training. Gentlemen, who wants to be an ARC Trooper? I do, sir! So I find it very appropriate context for this episode or this series of episodes as a whole to share this quote from George Lucas um, when he's talking about Vader in an interview. And that is that, Everyone thought of Vader as this big, evil guy who, you know, had no heart. He was just evil, but in the end, he's not that at all. Here's a guy who's lost everything. He forces his friends to turn against him, which is heartbreaking. So his portrayal is not that of an evil person, which is intentional, according to this quote by George Lucas, but it also is slightly inconsistent with the character of Darth Vader as he exists in the original trilogy, independent of the prequels. Um, But I do think it's interesting to attack Anakin as just this broken man who, when trying to combat his fear of loss, loses everything. And that's sort of the ethos or the mentality that I'm attacking this episode with. Uh, I don't think that he is portrayed well as an evil person at all, and I know that there are a lot of arguments that could be made for why. I'm not even going to try to address those because I agree with them. I'm just going to take Anakin as he is, Which, like I said, is a broken man who is trying desperately not to lose people and ends up losing everybody. So, I'm going to go through the basic timeline of Anakin and I'll fill in the gaps later, but this is his basic storyline. He was born of an unnatural birth with no father, just his mother. He was born and raised a slave until he was freed at the age of nine and developed a very protective and caring nature, which... Uh, is kind of personified by this tale of the sun dragon that his mother would tell him, which are the creatures with the biggest hearts in the galaxy. And he becomes infatuated with Padme in Episode 1, The Phantom Menace. And also in The Phantom Menace, he leaves his mother behind to join the Jedi Order and loses a father figure in Qui-Gon Jinn, subsequently being apprenticed to Obi-Wan, and is sort of put in constant competition with Obi-Wan as his apprentice and thinks that he's being held back. In the events of Attack of the Clones, he's reunited with Padme after spending 10 years apart and falls in love with the senator, starting a secret re- secret relationship that will eventually lead to their marriage. Uh, in the events of Attack of the Clones as well, he abandons his mission to protect Padme to rescue his mother from his visions of her death. And he slaughters a village of Tusken Raiders after his mother dies in his arms, loses an arm while fighting Count Dooku, becomes... A renowned Jedi during the Clone Wars kills Dooku in the Battle of Coruscant, has visions that Padme dies during childbirth, finds a potential answer to saving Padme through Palpatine, and ultimately betrays the Jedi in hopes of saving Padme, slaughters Jedi during Order 66, fights Obi-Wan on Mustafar after a confrontation with Padme, loses that duel to Kenobi, and burns alive. He is then saved by Palpatine and given his iconic suit as Padme dies of a broken heart. Serves Palpatine as Vader for over two decades. Turns back to the light to save his son. And dies aboard the second Death Star talking to Luke. Now that was a lot. And I'm going to go through a little bit more in detail moving forward. But for the context context of sort of my uh, thesis surrounding this episode, I'm going to be focusing mainly on Anakin's relationships and his actions surrounding each of these major relationships in his life. So, in this series, across two episodes, I'm going to be going through his relationship with his mother, Shmi, Obi-Wan, Padme, Ahsoka, the Jedi, Palpatine, Vader, and then Luke. And yes, I put in Vader on purpose because they're sort of meant to be two different characters, and I think it's very important to address that. But in this episode, I'm just going to be going through the first three, which are Shmi, Obi-Wan, and Padme. So the first character that I'm going to be examining Anakin's relationship with is his mother, Shmi. And automatically, she presents a very unique perspective for Anakin because he knew her and was raised by her. So he has that connection to a parental figure that most Jedi never have. And hence, he's already predisposed to attachment and emotion. And his mother actually encourages his loving and caring nature with, like I said, this story of the sun dragon, which personifies these creatures that live in the hearts of suns and stars. And they have these giant hearts that, and they're, it's just, the idea is that these creatures are super powerful, but also super caring because of their giant hearts. And this is also a person who he's afraid to lose because who wouldn't be? I think that anyone who has a positive relationship with their parents is deathly afraid of anything happening to them. And Anakin is no different. And so um, this fear of losing his mother drives his actions, especially in the Attack of the Clones movie, episode two. And that is working directly against Jedi doctrine because he actually um, abandons his mandate to protect Padme in order to try to save his mother. After he's presented with visions of the future, seeing his mother die a terrible death. And ultimately, what happens is he's too late. And this unlocks a brand new fear in Anakin. The fear of not being there for those he loves. And even if he is, not being powerful enough to save them. And when he's confronted with Shmi's death, he falls into a berserker rage, and this is the first real example of Anakin breaking down over a lack of absolute control, which is really the through line for all of these, but I'm just going to keep going through these, and you'll see it as a continuous pattern throughout every relationship that he has. Obi-Wan Kenobi, on the other hand, he's extremely critical and strict towards Anakin as a Padawan, because he was put in a position that he wasn't ready for. Obi-Wan was super young when he took Anakin on as his apprentice. He was still grieving the loss of his master. And just was not mature enough to take on an apprentice yet. But per the dying wish of Qui-Gon, he did it anyways. And this relationship of sort of a condescending competitiveness transitions to close, uh, a very close friendship when Anakin is knighted. Because they're kind of put on the same... Uh, playing field, and I talk about this in my episode where I review the book Brotherhood, and I would highly recommend you listening to that and reading the book if you haven't already. But whenever they transition into the more uh, friendly rivalry, but also just kind of a more brotherly relationship, Anakin uh, shifts to being very close to him, but also very protective of Obi-Wan, and there are two great examples of this. The first one is from the Clone Wars TV show, where Obi-Wan fakes his death um, in the pursuit of uncovering a plot to assassinate Chancellor Palpatine. Anakin is absolutely devastated when Obi-Wan is shot by a sniper bullet and loses himself to rage and anger when confronted with the supposed murderer of Obi-Wan, who is actually Obi-Wan in disguise. But... Anakin is left in the dark about this because they wanted his reaction to be authentic because that's what was going to convince people like Count Dooku, people like Cad Bane, who were integral to this plot to assassinate the Chancellor or at least kidnap him. And when Anakin finally finds out that this deception has taken place, he's extremely hurt and resentful about the Council, and Obi-Wan's deception, because he doesn't feel trusted. And one of the best lines in the entire Clone Wars show, because it foreshadows the events of Revenge of the Sith so well, is, how many lies have I been told by the Council? And this just shows that his faith is already shaken in the Jedi, this early on in the war. It's far before Revenge of the Sith, several years. But It's already these seeds of doubt have already been planted because the Jedi don't trust him to act accordingly to their plans. They don't trust him enough. And I just think that it's really beautiful how you can see these little story beats woven in. It really adds a lot of richness to Anakin's character. And the second time we see Anakin's protectiveness over Obi-Wan is during the Battle of Coruscant when he refuses to abandon Obi-Wan during the space battle between the buzz droids and other hazards, and also refuses to leave Obi-Wan behind after their duel with Dooku whenever he's knocked unconscious, despite Palpatine trying to urge him to leave him in order to help both of them escape. And he carries him unconscious on his back, despite any burden that that might add to his journey because he's so desperate to save his master and save basically everyone that he cares about. And ultimately, this relationship is fuel for betrayal during Revenge of the Sith, because he feels as though Obi-Wan is choosing the Jedi over him by intentionally withholding mastership um, and also information, etc. Because Anakin feels that he is worthy of the master position. He is more powerful than any other Jedi. He deserves it more than anybody. But the council still refuses to give him that status. And I'll talk a little bit more about why that's so important to him in Revenge of the Sith later. But ultimately, another big thing is that Anakin doesn't trust Obi-Wan to not turn him in if he tells him about Padme, which is crucial. He doesn't think that Obi-Wan won't go to the council and essentially get him expelled if he expresses those fears of losing Padme, who's his secret wife at the time, to Obi-Wan. And... The funny thing is, Obi-Wan actually looks the other way and allows himself to hope that Anakin and Padme's relationship isn't more than infatuation. He knows about them. He maybe doesn't know the extent to which their relationship has progressed, but he definitely knows about their connection. This all culminates in Revenge of the Sith when Anakin finally believes that Obi-Wan has turned Padme against him and flies into this blind rage that leads to their iconic duel. And obviously there's a lot more to do with Obi-Wan's relationship with Vader and sort of him grappling with the guilt of leaving Anakin alive or killing Anakin, and or supposedly killing Anakin. And that's all well and good, but we're not doing an Obi-Wan character study, we're doing... And Anakin character study, and I'll talk a little bit more about that perspective when I get into the Vader section, but for now, we're going to leave that on the table. The next person I have to talk about is probably the most important and dense uh, person information wise to Anakin's story, and that's his wife, Padme. Now, Padme is a linchpin character when it comes to examining Anakin's psychology, Uh, She is the object of his infatuation and largely the motivation for most of his more significant actions. Obi-Wan notices, uh, this is from the book uh, Brotherhood that I've referenced a couple times already. Obi-Wan notices an intense reaction from Anakin upon just seeing her through the Force, and it's a mixture of excitement, nervousness, gentleness, and most dangerously, passion. Now, this... um, sort of, I'm just going to say the word infatuation a lot because that's really the best way to describe it. Uh, In The Phantom Menace, he's already immediately transfixed by her. He asks her, are you an angel, which are uh, supposedly the most beautiful creatures in the universe? And then in Attack the Clones, she becomes an obsession. He's thought about her every day for 10 years and he forgets himself when he's around her and acts extremely awkward and just just kind of clunky, and he actually reminisces on this behavior after becoming a knight and cringes, once again, in that book, Brotherhood. But his attachment to her is very possessive, which is in direct violation of Jedi doctrine. What they try to do is keep their attachments very general and more attached to abstractions like peace. Um, But Anakin is very focused on people. So that's where his... His ideology and the Jedi ideology kind of butt heads. Now, Padme is a voice of reason and tries to sort of stop their relationship before it advances too far, but ultimately the two are so fully in love that they decide to get secretly married on Naboo. And while they have an undeniable connection, the two are still very different. Anakin is very passionate and extremely focused on his life and the people in his life and his perspective. And doesn't care much for deliberation or democracy. He sees those as a waste of time. When one person could easily come to the same conclusion as a thousand. Um, While Padme is very kind and gentle and focused on those around her. And uses her influence and position of power to leverage the betterment of society through democracy. Um, And this puts them at odds in Revenge of the Sith. Because Padme believes that Palpatine is abusing his power and threatening democracy by becoming a dictator. And this leads to the formation of what will eventually be the rebellion uh, whenever Bail Organa and Mon Mothma approach her about this, um, which puts her at odds with Anakin because Anakin sees her criticism of the Chancellor as almost treason, saying that he's simply doing what is necessary to end the war. And... In the Clone Wars, this is probably the best glimpse that we see of how overly protective he can become and how far he can go sometimes in the service of caring for those that he loves. In Season 1 of the Clone Wars, during the Hostage Crisis episode, he actually gives Padme his lightsaber as a token of his commitment to her, which nearly ends in both of their deaths whenever Cad Bane uh, essentially holds the Senate building hostage. And then Clovis is probably the best example of this. And for those of you who don't know, Rush Clovis is basically the object of Anakin's ultimate jealousy because he's an old colleague of Padme's who she knew back before the war. And early on in the Clone Wars, he actually poisons Padme uh, whenever she is trying to uncover plans for a weapons foundry on Geonosis. And then later in the Clone Wars, they actually work together to uncover corruption within the banking clan. Now, Anakin does not trust Clovis at all because he tried to kill Padme earlier in the, in the war. He tried to poison her. And he actually orders Padme to stop working with him for her own safety, which she refuses. And this sort of puts a wedge in their relationship a little bit. But since their marriage is secret, Padme cannot use it as a justification to spur Clovis's sort of romantic advancements which I'm not saying that she needs to have any reason to say no to him but just for the context of this episode that's an important thing to distinguish and when Clovis tries to make a move on Padme he's trying to kiss her even though she is very clearly denying his advan- advances Anakin is there and he beats him to a pulp and goes and probably if if Padme hadn't been there to sort of call off his attack probably would have killed Clovis if I had to guess um and I just gotta say first of all that scene is super satisfying and second of all Padme feels very unsafe around Anakin saying that he's gone too far and that she feels doesn't feel safe around him anymore and they t- take some space from each other until Clovis's death on Scipio which is the headquarter planet of the intergalactic banking clan um But that just shows Anakin's jealous nature and sort of his passionate but impulsive uh, decision-making skills because he didn't take any time to examine that situation. He just acted when he saw someone trying to make a move on his wife. And now, as most of you probably know, in Revenge of the Sith, Padme is revealed to be pregnant. Now, this is an issue for an obvious reason that Anakin would be expelled from the Jedi if he was revealed to be the father. But also, another issue is that if he is expelled and he lives his life together with Padme, they are both such well-known figures in the galaxy that their scandal would draw the attention of many enemies, enemies that they had both made throughout the war. Now... In Revenge of the Sith as well, he is also plagued by visions of Padme's death during childbirth, and he knows it to be a certainty based on his visions of his mother dying, and searches tirelessly for a solution and a way to save her. The Jedi, namely Yoda, simply tell him to learn to let go of everything you fear to lose. And this is a great quote that kind of sums up the Jedi philosophy about attachments. It's from Obi-Wan in the Revenge of the Sith novelization, and it is... It is that. Everything dies, and time even stars burn out. This is why Jedi form no attachments. All things pass. To hold on to something or someone beyond its time is to set your selfish desires against the Force. That is the path of misery, Anakin. Now, obviously, Anakin does not agree with this philosophy, but that is what's being pushed on him. And this is one reason, and a whole sea of reasons, why he doesn't trust the Jedi to help him with his secret. Now, he knows that if he becomes a Jedi Master, he he could access any restricted text in the Jedi archives and potentially find an answer there. But fearing inadvertently giving Palpatine a voice on the Council due to his close connection with Anakin, the Jedi deny him the rank of Master, but allow him to sit on the Council as Palpatine's personal representative. Now, this enrages Anakin as he believes that he should have been a Master Master All along, like I said, um, just due to his immense skill. But once again, the Jedi stand between him and the answers he needs to save his wife. Because what what does he not have in the situation where Padme's death is seemingly imminent? He doesn't have absolute control over the situation, even when faced with these life certainties like death. And that just he cannot accept that. Never. Now the only person that seems willing to help is his good friend Palpatine. Now, I'm I'm referencing the Revenge of the Sith novelization so much because I just finished reading it and it's really, really fantastic because it adds so much richness and detail to the movie that it's just it's fantastic. But the only person that seems willing to help is Palpatine, and he plants seeds of doubt about the simplistic ideolo- ideological differences between the Jedi and Sith, saying that really at the end of the day they want the same thing, and that the Jedi are very narrow-minded when they consider Sith to just be absolutely evil. Palpatine sort of says that like, if a Sith were to walk through his office door, he wouldn't have him arrested. He would simply sit him down and ask him if he had any power to end the Clone War. And this kind of makes Anakin go, huh, maybe it's not that different after all. Maybe at the end of the day, all it is is just a different ideology trying to do what's right for the galaxy. Now, (laughs) he reveals like the tragedy of Darth Plagueis the Wise, which really catches Anakin's attention because that's it. That's all he needs is that ability to save someone from dying. And then, Ultimately, Palpatine reveals himself to Anakin and gives him a choice, which is effectively save the Jedi or save his wife. Because if he tries to save the Jedi by helping the Jedi arrest and ultimately assassinate him, then all of his knowledge of Plagueis and the ways of saving people from death would be lost. Now, after a severe breakdown, Anakin chooses to save his wife, and he doesn't want to betray Mace, but he's left no choice when he sees Palpatine is about to die. He's willing to do whatever it takes to save Padme because it's in the service of the person that he loves the most, and he's so scared of being powerless to, the, to things like the death of his wife that he sacrifices every bit of his moral codex to keep it from happening. And by the time he sits back and says, what have I done? He's already taken the leap. Everything he does as Darth Vader, he believes is in the pursuit of gaining enough power to save Padme. Now, he convinces himself and believes that the Jedi were trying to uh, take over the Republic, and he easily justifies the eradication of the Order and knows that saving Padme will require immense power, so he's willing to go to extreme lengths to make that happen, hence why he slaughters Jedi, even children, to try to attain that level of power that he so desperately needs. Ultimately, Padme is put under an exorbitant amount of stress. She's keeping secrets from Anakin about the budding rebellion and realizes that she doesn't trust him as much as she wants to because of his connection to Palpatine and stringent loyalty to him. And after Order 66, before Anakin leaves for Mustafar, she feels incredibly ill from the fear and anxiety of everything that is unknown to her about her husband. And then on Mustafar, she's broken. The love of her life has completely turned from a noble hero to a murderous monster and she realizes that she can't follow him down the path that he has stumbled down. And when she, when Anakin sees Obi-Wan, he snaps because he believes Kenobi has turned Padme against him and begins to choke her. Now once the battle of once their duel on Mustafar is over, Padme is hanging on by the thinnest of threads while she's giving birth and her vitals show That she's doing fine, but her health is failing rapidly. And she couldn't hold on any longer after giving birth to both of her children. And died after telling Obi-Wan that there is still good in Anakin. Now at this point, the point is that Anakin had completely forgotten his original goal, which was to save Padme, because he got consumed by jealousy and greed and a lust for power, which blinded him from the love that drove him initially. And now this is one of my favorite quotes from the Revenge of the Sith novelization. It's right as Anakin is coming to consciousness as Vader for the first time within the suit. And he's sort of making this realization of what he's done after he's being told that Padme has died. And this is sort of him talking to himself where it's, it, it says, you killed her. Because finally, when you could have saved her, when you could have gone away with her, when you could have been thinking about her, you were thinking about yourself. It is in this blazing moment that you finally understand the trap of the dark side, the final cruelty of the Sith. Because now, yourself is all you will ever have. Now... That's all that I have. So I'm just going to kind of sum up what I covered in this episode so far. We see from these three relationships an intense fear that plagues Anakin. The fear of one, not being strong enough to save the ones he loves. And two, the fear that brings this obsessive need for control that he will never have. It's control over these absolutes in life like death. And now in part two, we will examine more of his relationships and wrap things up with the psychological analysis of my data, quote unquote, presented. But I just wanted to give you all this to gnaw on because I think that this is a great start to my point that I'm going to be making at the end. But I hope you all enjoyed this. I worked really hard on trying to sort of put this all together in a pretty cohesive way. And that being said, this wouldn't be a proper episode if I didn't leave you with just a little bit more. So today we have that in a uh, unused draft of Revenge of the Sith, Padme was to come to Mustafar with a knife and unsuccessfully tried to assassinate Anakin, which would have been sort of that final gut-wrenching betrayal that would have sent him over the edge, which he was already over the edge, but even further over the edge. So I just think that, that would have been really interesting to see. I think that it would have probably contradicted a lot of things about Padme's character, but it's still fun to think about. Um, That being said, I really hope that y'all enjoyed part one of this sort of deep dive into Anakin's character. I'm having a great time putting it together and I can't wait for y'all to listen to part two. I would ask that you share this with people. This is something that I've worked on really hard and has sort of been a passion project of mine. So if you know anyone that you think would enjoy this, I would... Really, really appreciate it if you would send it their way because I kind of want this to be my like, I want this to be a staple episode or episode series for for the podcast. So uh, I just want to say I appreciate all of you that have listened this far. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at Twin Sun Talks if you haven't already. Subscribe to us on YouTube Twin Sun Talks podcast and listen wherever you get your podcast by searching Twin Sun Talks. And, yeah, stay tuned for part two next week. But for now, you've taken your first steps into a larger world. May the Force be with you, and I will see you all in the next episode. Bye, friends.